everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today has written fiction and nonfiction. Among his achievements, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with his son and written a book about it called Mount Kilimanjaro and Beyond, A Life-Changing Journey. I love that title. He's also written a travel memoir called I Guess We Missed the Boat. In 2014, he began work on his Marcy Kane thriller collection, consisting of five books. He recently released uh, a second in the new series of books, I assume it's a series, um, featuring his protagonist, Jake Scott. Uh, among his many accolades, he's received the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Medal for Philanthropy. Impressive. I'm pleased to have with me Barry Finlay. Hi, Barry. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you. It's great to have you on. Thank you for well, being thanks, here. Thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, th- I'm thankful that you could wait to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I have people on a waiting list now. It's so ridiculous. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, I think I uh, I booked in March, I think. Yeah, well, that's re- doing relatively well compared to some <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, you would not believe. Um, so tell us about uh, Jake Scott and why you decided to write a series about him. Well, Jake Scott is kind of a uh, an old-fashioned, affable, easygoing individual. He's a former reporter. And uh, he stumbles across crimes that uh, he said just can't resist poking his nose into and and trying to find out uh, what happened. It's a mystery series. Uh, the first one's called Searching for Truth. And I decided to write this one. I wrote another series first called the, uh, the Marcy Kane Thriller Collection. And the first book in that series, The Vanishing Wife, had a protagonist called Mason Scott. And Mason Scott was an easygoing accountant. And uh, I kind of liked the character, but I also had a character in the first book called Marcy Kane. And so I had a choice of continuing on with Marcy or continuing on with Jake. And I decided to continue on with Marcy. But at the same time, 
I really like Jake. So after writing five books in the Marcy Kane Thriller Collection, I kind of reinvented, um, sorry, I kind of let the, the guy's name was Mason Seaforth in the uh, Marcy Kane series. And I kind of liked that character. And so I turned him into Jake Scott in the Jake Scott series. And, and so here we are. Fascinating. I was going to say, um, it's interesting that you started out with a series of five books about Marcy Kane, but actually they were about somebody else, but they ended up being about Marcy Kane. Exactly. That's exactly wow. right. <laughs> so that yeah. doesn't sound like you, you did a lot of planning as far as what you were going to write for the rest of the books, I guess, um, the first one? Yeah, I'm not a plotter or a planner. I... Uh, <laughs> I know there are there are plotters, there are pantsers, and I guess I'm a seat of the pants kind of guy. Um, I do plot ahead a chapter or two. I I at least work it out in my head, um, but I don't plan the whole series or anything like that. I let the characters take me where they will. Well, I really admire people who just do that, who just wing it, because I have to plan a little bit when I write a novel. It's just the way I am, I guess. Um, well, it's yeah, interesting because yeah. I, uh, I saw Jeffrey Deaver speak once, and he said he plots about 250 pages before he starts to actually write the book. So he's basically got the book, and then he just fills in the fills in the blanks, I guess. And I give a lot of credit to somebody that can do that. I do, but, too, because I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to plot yeah. very, very sketchily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just not me. No, I could not possibly write the detailed outlines that some people do. I find that absolutely remarkable. It's like, why don't you just write the book then? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I guess they never have writer's block. I don't know. Um, all I know is I like having a, a certain amount of surprise in my plots. Me too. And if they occur to me while I'm writing them, all the better, you know? Yeah. So I, honestly I could don't plan know. a certain way, but, you know, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I honestly don't know how the books are going to end until I get close to the end. And, you know, the characters take me where they want to go. And uh, and I'm always surprised, too. So uh, that's part of the enjoyment. Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. Most of the time, I feel like I know where I'm going with the end. But sometimes the end will surprise me. Yeah. yeah. I'm beginning to think that's a good sign. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Um, when you wrote the thrillers, um, how did they differ in any, or do they differ from the mystery series you're working on? I think there's more action in the thrillers. The mysteries, in my mind, are a little more character driven. So there's a little more relationship development and, and that kind of thing. And, and the mysteries, uh, hopefully, People, the readers won't be able to figure them out until they actually get to the end. Um, whereas the thrillers, uh, everybody knows who done it uh, pretty early in the book, and it's just a matter of dealing with uh, those people. So they are very definitely thrillers as opposed to mysteries. In my mind, yeah, there's a clear distinction in my mind between the two. There, there definitely is, yeah. yeah. Um, so are you currently working on the next Jake Scott? Um, they percolate for a while after I, I finish one. I, it's kind of rolling around in my head, I guess. And I'm coming up with different uh, different ideas. But 
right now I'm focusing on marketing and promotion and that seems to take a tremendous amount of time. So I'll probably uh, start writing after Christmas and see where it goes. It does seem to take a tremendous amount of time, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, when people ask about writing a book, I always warn them about the, the marketing and promotion aspect. It's uh, very time consuming. It is. And I don't think people really appreciate just how much work it is. <laughs> oh, I don't think so either. I think a certain uh, picture has been painted by certain people of what writing is like, which it is not at all. <laughs> no. No, I guess if you're with a traditional publisher, a big name traditional publisher, and you have a big name, then uh, you can spend all your time writing. But uh, for the rest of us, it's uh, a lot of work doing the promotion and marketing. Yeah, and having that big name publisher does not always work out so well for the smaller, less well-known authors, <laughs> that's nope. for sure. Uh, well, we won't go there, though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, where do you set your books? Are they all in Canada? Um, the thriller series, Marcy King Lives in Florida, but I do bring her back to Canada somehow. <laughs> So there's a Canadian element in, I think, pretty well all of them. Uh, but a lot, some of them are international as well. For example, the a perilous question is about human trafficking, and it starts in Africa. And it's uh, it's actually based on a question I was asked when we were in Africa. We were touring an orphanage, and uh, one of the girls took me on the tour, and one took my wife, and and uh, another girl took somebody else. And at the end of my tour, the girl said to me, so when are you taking me to Canada? And she would have gone in a heartbeat. She would have, if I pulled up at midnight at the gate, she would have gone. Mm -hmm. And so I I kind of thought that's not a good thing. So the, uh, the book kind of evolved from that question. Interesting. And, and remote access, uh, part of it takes place in China. So there's... Um, an international component to a few of them, as well as uh, as just being U.S. and Canada based. The yeah. mystery series, all uh, the main character lives in Ottawa, Canada. So, and do you live in Canada? I do. Yeah. Do you live, live in, in Ottawa? Ottawa? Yeah. So, yeah. how much does uh, Ottawa figure in in your book in terms of adding to the plot or um, the feel of the book? Well, the feel of the book, definitely. The first one in the series, in the Jake Scott series, takes place in the winter. So, uh, which I'm, people living in Ottawa are very familiar with. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I think the setting is uh, very Ottawa-based. The book itself could take place anywhere. The storyline could take place anywhere, but the, but the setting for sure is uh, very Canadian. I do love when uh, a book gives you a sense of place, you know, and uh, Canada is a really cool country. I've been there a couple of times and I always feel like everybody here is so nice when I go there. <laughs> well, I like to think it's a cool country. <laughs> <laughs> Very laid back. I mean, I've been to Toronto and I always am reminded of New York, except really laid back New York. Yeah. Yeah, and Toronto is pretty, uh, is much less laid back than 
most of the rest of the country. So, <laughs> cool. Um, let's see. Do you do a lot of research when you're writing your books? That's probably the most enjoyable part for me. Uh, I've learned so much from writing. Each one of my thriller books had a, a particular theme. Um, as I mentioned, one is human trafficking, one is computer hacking, um, one is the drug culture, another is PTSD, <clears throat> excuse me. And so for each one, I uh, spoke to subject matter experts and uh, also members of the Ottawa Police Services who are very forthcoming and uh, talking about what they do. and. Uh, so I've learned a great deal, and to me, that's the most exciting part about uh, writing the books is, is it's a learning process for me. It is, isn't it? It's it's amazing yeah. what you find out when you do research. Yeah. Um, for, it's... for example, when I wrote the one about um, PTSD, which was the last one in the Marcy Kane series, I spoke to a person who was a paramedic who has PTSD and has a service dog and uh and it was just fascinating and you know just to to understand try to understand a little bit about what she's going through and, and try and put that in the book and uh i just found it uh, uh very satisfying and, and uh i really enjoyed the process i noticed that you enjoy travel yes um do you tend to travel to the places that you write about? It's, uh, I think it's the opposite. I tend to write about the places I travel to. Uh, some of my friends will say they know where the next setting is going to be based on where we've been lately. So, uh, so yeah, there's uh, Africa's in one of the books, China's in one of the books. Um, uh, some of the books are in various places in Canada, and, and so and. Uh, the main character in the Marcy Kane series, living in uh, Gulfport, Florida. We stayed there a few times or in, in the St. Petersburg area uh, during the winter. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, nice to have been somewhere that you can write about. Absolutely. It's wonderful to have that sense of actually being there. Not at yeah. all like just researching it online. No, it's not. <laughs> no, the pandemic kind of put the kibosh on that. So that's probably that's probably why my new books are set in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> probably right. <laughs> it it seems like you're exploring a lot of uh, social issues in your books. Yeah. Is that true? Is it the Jake Scott series as well? Uh, not so much. There are more straightforward mysteries. Um, yeah, so there's not as much social content, but definitely in the Marcy Kane series, I tried to address a socially relevant theme in each one. That's cool. Um, I was going to ask you about, you know, the reporter there. Uh, uh, Jake Scott? Yeah, the, the question just slipped out of my mind for some oh. reason. Maybe it'll occur to me later. Um Let's see. What authors have most inspired you and who do you like to read the most? Um, I kind of got eclectic taste, I guess. I uh, I read people like uh, Michael Connolly and right now I'm reading Tom Fancy. I read him quite a bit. 
Um, but I'll, I'll kind of flip back and forth between biographies and autobiographies and fiction. Uh, I've also read every book written by one of the Rolling Stones and uh, uh, astronauts and politicians. And uh, I don't, I can't really say I have a favorite, I don't think. Um, mm. There's an interesting, interesting story of, you've heard of Louise Penny, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I was uh, doing a book signing once and I had all my books out on the table and I think I had about seven at that time. A little old lady came along and she looked at my books and she said, do you have anything by Louise Petty? <laughs> and I hadn't read Louise Petty at that time, so I did. I read one of her books and I wrote to Louise Petty and told her the story and how I'd read one of her books as a result. And she sent me a message back saying that she was pleased to have a new fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> I know what I was going to ask you. Do you think that, of them as more like being cozy mysteries than say hard boiled or police procedural? I think they're cozy mysteries with an edge. Okay. Yeah. They're, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, uh, there's murder in them, but it's not graphic murders. You know, you don't uh, read about somebody's head exploding. You never will in my, in my books. I, I don't, that's not me. <clears throat> but uh, I think they're a little edgier than a cozy would be. So it's kind of, I call them mysteries, but I don't think they fall into the, I don't think they quite fall into the cozy category. Mm -hmm. They're close. Close, but not quite there. Yeah, yeah. And one of my reviewers commented on that. She said, "She said it was uh, almost a cozy." That's that's a good way of describing it. I mean, these days the cozy is edging toward edgier, anyhow. Yes. Yeah. So kind of almost a cozy. You're not Agatha Christie, but you know, you're not uh, decapitating people. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Graphically, at any rate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I admire your interest in philanthropy. How did that come about? And how did you make it happen? <laughs> that started with Kilimanjaro, with the climb of Kilimanjaro. When we uh, made the decision to climb, we wanted to use it as a platform for fundraising and for the kids of Tanzania. And so we contacted. Uh, a few child-centered fundraising organizations, and only one got back to me, and that was Plan Canada. There's, uh, they're around the world, and uh, they're, they're under the auspices of Plan International. And so we raised money before we went, and we had no clue how much we were gonna be able to, to raise. We had no idea. And we ended up raising, uh, we set a goal of $5,000. We ended up raising over $15,000. And we did that by putting people's names on the Canadian flag. And I think that kind of enticed people to donate. And we carried the flag to the top of Kilimanjaro. And then we presented it to the school that we raised money for after that. Wow. And when we were at the school, and we were sitting at the front, and I'll never forget this. We were sitting at the front, and there were some teachers and uh, school dignitaries sitting there. And uh, one of them said that quite often the Mazungu, that's us, the uh, uh, white people, will make promises 
but don't keep them. And I understand that because you know when you're caught up in the moment, you say things that, and then when you're on your way home, you realize you just can't do what you said you were going to do. But I was in a position where I had the time and and the desire to do something. So we continued fundraising by having uh, golf tournaments and um, variety shows. And we did that for about 10 years. And we ended up completing, I think it was five projects for uh, in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. So there was a classroom, we drilled a well, uh, we um, helped some young women start small businesses, we did a sanitation project. And there was one other one that slips my mind at the moment. And then we also raised money for Wounded Warriors Canada for the service dog program. And so over 10 years, we raised um, a little over $200,000. So it was uh, very satisfying. And when we met the kids in 2011, <clears throat> we went back to Tanzania. And when we met the kids and the teachers, they treated us like rock stars. It was, uh, it was, they were so grateful for what we've done. And it was just such a satisfying experience. Oh, wow. Is this in your book about Kilimanjaro? Uh, it is in the last third of the book. There's uh, at least part of it. The, the beginning of that story is in the last few pages of Kilimanjaro. That's amazing. That is something else. Bravo. <laughs> well, thank you. It was a uh, we had, like I said, we had the time and the desire and, and we had uh, help. So we were able to put it all together. We've kind of retired from fundraising now, but uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's taxing. It is. I know I've done so, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've kind of put it on the shelf for the time being. Wow. Well, I am impressed really, truly. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who's interested in writing for a living? I get that question all the time when I'm doing uh, book signings. And I've been working on a good answer. But uh, I think um, initially my advice is to write. If somebody has the urge to write, sit down and write. You know, like it, it doesn't matter how good it is or just get it out on paper. and and worry about polishing it later. If I was uh, advising people to do it as a career, I would advise them to try and get an agent, which is very difficult to do, but try, and try and get a traditional publisher. I've, I've had my own experiences with traditional publishers, and um, which I haven't always been totally positive. But I, I guess I would keep that to myself if I was uh, <laughs> advising a, an aspiring writer. I think you have to be careful who you're getting involved with and uh, make sure that you have a lawyer, uh, read the contract, if you get a contract, and just persevere. You're going to get 100 rejections. You know, there are pretty famous authors that have had hundreds of rejections and persevered, and finally they're... You know, J.K. Rowling is a perfect example. And uh, and finally, they're doing really well. So I think the, the key is to write, and then the second thing is to persevere. Absolutely. I couldn't agree mm -hmm. with you more. It's, 
it's a business where if you're not willing to persevere and just keep going in the face of the word no, yeah. <laughs> you're just not going to make it. Yeah. And it's um, just reviews are a perfect example. You're going to get some negative reviews, and it's tough when you get the first one. I, uh, when we wrote Kilimanjaro and Beyond, we were getting positive reviews. And the day we got a book award, I just got the word that we had re received an, uh, a literary award for the book. There was a review on uh, Amazon that said something about it's a good thing the Finleys could can fundraise because they certainly can't write. It was something like that. Uh, and so my yeah. first reaction, that was my first bad review. My first reaction was to fire back. But my wife said, maybe you should sleep on it for a while. And and so I did that. And, and you can't. I mean, you can't. You're not going to please everybody. You can't fire back. You have to just accept it. And as long as you're getting more positive reviews than negative, then you're doing well. Absolutely. Absolutely. The heck with, with reviews, I say. I mean, you know, it's like, you can't worry about that stuff. No. Well, the it's other thing control. Yeah. The other thing I would say about reviews is look at your average review, not the individual reviews. But if, if you're averaging, you know, somewhere between four and five, you're doing very well. Absolutely. And there are going to be one star reviews in there for whatever reason. So exactly. There's and there's no, nothing you can do about it. So you may as no. well just get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to develop a thick skin. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, no, just that my books are available on Amazon. Uh, actually, I just uh, opened a new one today, which is the hardback version of The Guardians of Truth. It's the first time I've ever done a hardback wow. version. So Fancy. pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it is fancy. Whether it'll sell or not it remains to be seen, but uh, there are hardback versions available. And I do have an audio book of my uh, first book in the Marcy King Thriller Collection, The Vanishing Wife, narrated by my son, who's a musician in Nashville. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you about the guitar that's behind you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you play? I play a few songs very badly. <laughs> But you play, that's what's important. I, I, yeah, I play at playing. It's a uh, diversion. Well, that's cool. That's wonderful. Well, Barry, I would really love to thank you uh, for being on the show today. It well, was wonderful that, talking to you. It was my oh, pleasure. Thank, thank you. Well, it was my pleasure as well. Thank you. So um, on that note, I will just remind listeners to... If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. It helps a lot with the whole visibility thing, you know, algorithms and stuff. And we are also Patreon supported. So uh, check us out on the Patreon. Check out our Patreon page. We have perks there for supporters. And until next time, when our guest will be Tessa Lunny, please take care and happy reading. 